Yeah, thank you so much、um, for taking your time out、uh, to chat with me on our podcast.、Um, I understand that you have a busy schedule. It's all good. Always <laughs> loving to support, you know, Australian sort of like talent.、Oh, thank you so like, much. Yeah, I, mean,、oh. I, I love your title. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like.、Yeah. I <laughs> yeah, some people find it offensive, but we just wanted to try to、uh, take it that way. <laughs> Asians need to fend more. <laughs> Maria Trang is an Australian actress, martial artist, producer, and director based in Las Vegas. She's known for developing the martial art action. Film genre in Australia by the Asian diaspora communities of Western Sydney through her short films such as Hit Girls, Gaffer, and Enter the Dojo, and also the movies outside of Australia such as Roger Corman's Feast of Dragon, Death Mist, and Vietnamese action blockbuster Tracer. Maria's latest work, which she has directed and produced, is Echo Eight, and her latest acting role. Is on Last King of the Cross, which is an Australian television drama series on Paramount Plus. The series is inspired by the autobiography of the nightclub owner John Ibrahim and his experience in Sydney's King's Cross. Maria is the founder and CEO of the female-led production company Phoenix Eye. The production company works on projects that focus on the cultural and linguistic diversity. In this episode, I chat with Maria about her journey as a child of refugee parents, how bullying had led her to martial arts, and her passion for martial art choreography, and the advocacy of working with the community to highlight stories of people from diverse backgrounds. This is Helen、um, from Asian Beaches Down Under. I have the multi-talent Maria Tran today with me.、Um, can we start from the very beginning? How did Maria Tran become the Maria Tran today? Perhaps we can start with your family, some background with your parents' arrival to Australia, and what was your childhood like? I remember seeing somewhere that your family settled first in Queensland. Was it Queensland? Yeah, and later、yes. in Sydney. Yeah. That's correct. So my parents were both、uh, migrants,、uh, product of the Vietnam War. They were boat people, and they came and they well, actually, they started. They settled in, I think, in Sydney, and then、okay. after that, they were trying to find work. Well, actually, my parents didn't meet each other.、Um, they weren't married. So my mom came by herself. She,、oh, I think,、okay. she the the war like、uh, jail like six times, and then when she came、oh, to、goodness. Australia. She was about twenty-two, and I think she was staying at a hostel in Kuji. And、mm. then everyone was saying, "Let's go to Cabramatta, go to Cabramatta, because that's、mm. where all the Asians are. That's where you can buy、yeah. rice, rice cooker." <laughs> so you know, she was there, and then she was working, and and then my my father came along, and and they sort of like decided to move to、um, Queensland, Bundaberg,、mm. because they heard there was farming, there was more work up there.、So、they、mm. tried to do that. And yeah, so they they did a bunch of work, like from、uh, fish and chip store, like very close by to Pauline Hanson's one. But apparently, <laughs> one. my goodness, really diligent fish and chips. You know, I remember growing up seeing my dad's always trying to get his accent right. Like he'd be like, "Oh, is it how you going, mate?" 
mates, you know, and then, mm-hmm. hey, dad, it's maybe not too much of the mate, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, and just, just seeing how hard they, they really um, worked to try to give my myself an opportunity to, you know, study and all of that. So it was quite mm-hmm. interesting to see that. But then after the whole uh, fish and chips draw, they decided to come back to Sydney, back to close to Kapamata, friends and family and all that. So mm-hmm. dad worked in a factory, mom worked as a sweatshop and then some fur store. Like, there's so many m- multiple things they were always doing. Mm-hmm. So growing up, I always saw a lot of, you know, tension that was caused within the family dynamics of seeing how much they had to hustle to make mm-hmm. ends meet. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I think, um, you know, growing up for me, I was quite an introverted um, kid. So I wasn't as articulate. And for me, I got bullied in school, um, you know, and a couple of incidents led me to kind of come to a point where I was like, oh, you know, I need to stop being like this because otherwise I'm going to be like this for the rest of my life. And through one particular bullying incident and telling my parents about it, they decided to get me into martial arts so that I become yeah. bully, you know. And through the process of going to um, martial arts, I learned a little bit more about confidence, about standing taller, and through did a lot of competitions. And it was funny because after um, martial arts, I couldn't. No one wanted to pick on me anymore. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> no. Fine. Okay. You know, whenever you learn a skill, you just don't seem mm-hmm. to get it wanting to to really uh, pick on you. But um, yeah. And I think for me, um, like it was it was interesting because growing up, I was always like moving around to different like schools. I never really got a chance to settle. Um, and when I did, I settled back. You know, I was in Sydney, and then I left, ran away from home, and then I moved to Queensland again, and then I came back, and then you know, finished high school and then got into psychology Mm -hmm. and the weekend I would be making like these little kooky kind of kung fu short films around Cabramatta with Mm -hmm. my group of mates that I was around at that time and then we ended up making a feature film called Maximum Tropage and that then got picked up um, by ABC to be made into a TV series. Um, But I was pretty much always working on making little small um short films mm-hmm. um in between um my my study and all that but um to be honest the transition into film film would be probably uh on a show called my place um that was on abc and i played a 4 year old restaurant owner i think that time I was only 25 i don't know i think i got it because i got the accent down pack if anyone oh, was asked yeah. how does Marie korea stand out it was like sent in various tv series mm-hmm. and i have to do a pretty good damn you know vietnamese you know tiger wife tiger mom whatever the whole lot because growing up my mom was like that she owned like mm-hmm. a red store and i've seen her the way she commanded the local gangs and <laughs> anyone comes in hey you boy come here what's wrong with you huh? well you're in trouble in our house like literally i see her do this she, she had the balls you know mm-hmm. and she would use you know her accent? She just thinks she has an accent. I go, I always said to mom, mom, I'm going to study your accent. Like, what accent? What are you talking about, huh? I'm like, you know, your accent. What accent? What stupid? She just ran on. I'm like, wow, there is no such thing as an accent. She's like, she's just trying to get a point across. Mm-hmm. This woman has balls. Mm-hmm. So I always, whenever I used the accent in a lot of the shows that I did, mm-hmm. it was accent. It was, I felt like it was my mom's character or mm-hmm. my mom 
coming to Australia, don't give a fuck and wanting to get what she wants. She ain't gonna play victim and she will always try to help the day and the whole bunch of things. And I always want to see that sort of like, I don't know, character mm -hmm. on TV. And whenever I get to play characters like that, I get really excited because I don't want to see Asians in particular stereotypes and they're, they're sort of reactive to the whole entire world. You know, we can mm -hmm. be own heroes, even though we look a certain way or we speak a certain way. So yeah, I did TV series and then ended up doing uh, feature films. Um, you know, and in between that, I was working in community arts, the community arts sector. Mm -hmm. So I was working at and, and doing a lot of programming in Western Sydney for um, culturally diverse communities and 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 just creating programs that that mean something to the local as well as for them to have some sort of value of of participating in the arts yeah. but not maybe creating some sort of career having some sort of career tra trajectory which was similar to my path because I didn't study film I didn't study acting and I basically am the product of community arts sector Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess yeah, I guess um community art is something that really both the community and the government really need to invest in because a lot of people are afraid of approaching that industry because there's a lot of uncertainty with a um especially with a pandemic, you know, the last three years. I want to come back uh, a little bit with the passion for martial arts, um, which lead to later in acting. Um, were there any influential moments in your childhood or maybe and all that? I think with martial arts, once I started to get a handle of martial arts and I realized that how powerful your body is mm -hmm. because your body contains you, the essence to what it is that you want to get in life. So, you know, whether it's a punch, whether it's a movement, whether it's a look, whatever the decision you make with your body, it, it can have such a ripple effect in the world. So, for example, if you walk down the street and you're, you know, just being who you are, then you realize why do people always call you whatever, you know, you, you, you might go, yeah, maybe because I'm attractive, whatever. But if you realize, wait a minute, I can be a certain way where people wouldn't mess with me. Mm -hmm. So for me, at the gym, you know, I'm wearing crop top, doing my weights, and, and, and you know, when people look at me, they get scared. She's tough. You know, I'll be a certain way. I'll be looking at myself. I'll be assertive. I'll stand taller. When I, there's a, a couple of dudes are looking at me. I'll be looking at them, and I wouldn't blink. They'll, be, they'll, they'll turn away. You know, stuff like that. Because a lot of women, when people look at us, we kind of look away. You know, because, yes, you know, yes. We get intimidated. Yeah. A person looks at you. You look back. You got a problem? You know, you want. You know, you you deal with the world in a way that is empowered that people mm -hmm. wouldn't pick on you because they go oh, wow this is a different energy so martial arts allowed me to be that way to realize the strength in my body myself and also realizing um that martial arts allows you to be in a space sometimes that you can kind of see like a little bit more you know you go mm -hmm. through life like you know, doing all the things you have to do, all the outline, all the lists, you know, get, to get things done to do this, right? But martial arts, similar to meditation, sometimes I feel like you get these spaces where you get to just, just be content and through mm. and be relaxed. Mm. And through those moments, you can really feel, like, I feel like you can really see where you want to go. Mm -hmm. And that gives you more confidence to go about your life the way you want to choose to with a bit more ease rather mm. than chase, 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 chase. So uh, martial arts really allowed me to, to feel that way and also feel like 
we're powerful entities. We're very strong, mm. and we need each other to build that confidence within each other mm. as well. I think that's very important in the sense of being an Asian female, especially in the Western countries. That we need to find something that empowers ourselves. And for you specifically, is martial arts. And I want to know that if you had any challenges being a martial artist as a female、um, throughout your career, because I know that it is still a very predominantly male industry, isn't it? Oh, it's it's very. I feel like when it comes to martial arts, it's still、mm. quite embedded in accolades. You know,、mm. like like oh, how many competitions have you won? Or how many hours you train a week? What、mm. style?、Yeah. You know, like who's your master? Yeah, <laughs>、exactly. yeah. You know, and and I feel like for me, martial arts is more like a philosophy. You know,、mm. the philosophy of the mind body connection, and and. Rather than actually a particular form, a particular practice, and I think、um, it's interesting because I'm currently doing a documentary on women in martial arts in Australia. Oh, fantastic!、Uh-huh. It's, it's a, a pretty big documentary for the Art Gallery of New South Wales.、Mm-hmm. But one of my hypotheses is that I do find that you know potentially women who are in martial arts but in the traditional structure. Might not have the opportunity to really self-reflect on their life and where they're going, because I've actually got a chance to interview people like Cynthia Rothrock, who is she is like the biggest '80s '90s queen of martial arts for real. Like she used、mm-hmm. to compete with men back in the '80s. Men, when you talk about men, she won、mm-hmm. you know five、mm-hmm. in a row, right? And not only that, she was the biggest female action star during the '80s and '90s. And even she even said like, you know, after she retired from From like the the competition, she needs to find what's next.、Mm. And she now now that she's in her sixties, she's like she really wants to give back and help other women realize their power in terms of the choices they make, rather than following certain structures. You need to find your own pathway.、Yes. So for me, I found that was such a very interesting、um, thing that she came out of just such a big expansive career. And I think things like that, when we think about the big picture, sometimes we don't have to go through so much struggle to、mm. get there. Find our, our niche, our way to get where we want to go. Because when people ask me, "Logo,、oh, like how many competitions you won?" I'm like, "I've, I've, I've probably、uh, competed when I was a kid, but I don't, I don't go around like competing anymore."、Mm. And most of my martial arts is now for screen. So a lot of it is screen combat. It is fight、yeah. choreography, action、mm-hmm. directing. Because I realize there is a huge gap. In the action genre globally, that allows women to not only be in front of the camera but behind the camera.、Mm-hmm. How many Jackies do we know that's out there? Probably one, right? Yeah, How many women who can be in front of the camera and behind the camera? Very rare. I'm probably like one out of five globally that do it. And I find it was quite surprising. I'm like, why don't women just be in front and behind? What's wrong with with directing? No, What's wrong? Yes. You know, but I have to admit, it is quite hard. And I only、mm-hmm. did that because I had no choice. So when you have no choice, and you really love this thing, this filmmaking thing, and this action genre, this martial arts action genre, even though Australia, I have to admit, I ha- have had times conversations with different Australian producers, development executives, who told me that it will be probably best if you find a job in SBS doing documentaries,、mm-hmm. Maria. Oh, you know what? If you really want to make action films, you should go back to China. 
They said it in the most sincere way. And I, I'm like, oh, you have to because you don't say it. You're ignorant. You're in a higher position than me. <laughs> so I feel like I, I, as a lot of Asians, we do go through a lot of dilemma mm-hmm. because we're in particular like context. We want to make change, but we don't want to speak out too much. Otherwise, we get cut down, tall puppy syndrome, crab mentality, the whole lot, you know. Or we kind of like, you know, have to, we have to juggle. Yes. Or we just yeah. don't lose flame. Yeah. For it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really hard being Asians in Western, very predominantly in the um, media entertainment industry, that we still struggle a lot more and we have to make a lot more efforts to just to get a little bit, a slice of pie <laughs> within that industry. Yeah. Um, uh, can you take us through the process of the martial arts choreography? Like, I mean, I guess not a lot of people understand the scope of the work of martial art choreography. I'm interested myself, um, you know, perhaps the issues around uh, surrounding safety and the complexity of incorporating sounds and the music. I'm always fascinated how they put the... <laughs> yeah, so when it comes to martial arts, um, like fight choreography, um, to be honest with you, like I think in Australia, sometimes it gets quite uh, entangled in the stunt industry mm. but I've always been an advocate to saying that they are two different things fight choreography and action directing can be something that people who have an interest participate and I've always fought for inclusion in that sphere mm-hmm. um, otherwise it kind of gets clumped into stunts which is a is a, is a different thing right mm-hmm. um, but that one would really need more training and more um, more sort of safety concerns and all that but when it comes to fire choreography to be honest with you like we're looking at the body we look in the body as potentially as a, 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 a entity to get what we want so we always I always look at story first I always look at the story first and then I go, okay, what are my parameters? Two bodies trying to connect with each other. One body's trying to get this thing. The other body's trying to stop it. That's a simple thing. Very simple, right? For me, then I would go, okay, before I think further, who are my actors? Because I could some, and it's happened in a lot of films. I worked in uh, two movies in in uh, China, a movie in Vietnam. Um, and I sometimes see that Sometimes choreography is made and then you bring in the actors and the actors can't do it because the actors haven't got the training because it takes quite uh, some time to build the training um, capacity to be able to move in a certain way for screen. So for me, I would go, okay, well, okay, I know I need to create a 30-second fight scene or 20-second or minute or three minutes, whatever it is. Who are my actors? Okay, here are my actors. Before I start, let me just go through some basics, kicks, punches, spin kicks, you know, ducks and throw, like all those things just for me um, to assess what sort of skills they've got, okay? Mm-hmm. What, what sort of things they're comfortable with um, and whether or not they've got certain body control when they're kicking, can they, can they hit certain targets or, you know, and, and so forth. And since after that, after the assessment, I then will go back and go, okay, you know what? How many how many days do we have? Do we have weeks? Because a lot of big fight scenes, they would take weeks, sometimes months. Wow. Hong Kong would take months because they have a particular craft. They honor the craft of fight scenes because it is like a beautiful dance. You know, I think in the Western countries, we just like, ah, it's just a fight scene. But no, Western, like, you know, filmmakers, sometimes I feel like they just do pub brawl fights, punch, 
kick, yeah. slap, fight choreography in Asia. It's very delicate. It's a beautiful dance, right? And so, but a lot of their, I would say a lot of projects in Australia, I, I usually don't get a lot of time. So, for example, I was on a Bangladeshi film, uh, Ayoti, and I was the action director. They only gave me two hours. Oh my goodness, two hours. Two hours. And that, within that two hours is me first time meeting the actors. Oh no. <laughs> Not only that, the actor wasn't very, very, um, let's just say happy that he's getting action direct by a female. I don't know, maybe this is a, it's a gender thing, whatever. So, you know, so I've got two hours to get this, this, let's say, I think about 30 second fight scene. So I had to come in first when I get into set. I greet people at hi, I'm, I announce to people who I am. Hi, Maria Tran, the action director. I've only got two hours. I would like to see the actors. Can I please see the like, I really have to really, I sometimes oh, feel like I have to show them my pair of balls, you know, my invisible, you know, commanding balls for them to come and actually listen. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if I come in very like, like no, no one's going to listen. Literally, mm-hmm. this is why I'm black. I have AVA. It is. I look like a freaking Tom Cruise because I'm get to visually give me respect otherwise i just look at me and go asian girl young girl what would she know is she gonna show me how to punch i've had that, that those those questions before so I, I would deal with them in this particular way so um once they come over i'll assess them within like a minute to see what they can do and then director's like okay so we're shooting this this location and then i'll be like okay i'll look around i'll look around okay i'll go table nope okay you know what Maybe we'll just do hand-to-hand combat. You know what? Let's build in. I remember that time the director was like, okay, you know, we've got your stunt people. We've got two people. And I'm like, okay, you need to make it like a crowd. I'm like, okay, you got two people. You got two people and a one dude, and you want me to make it look like a group of people trying to fight one dude. You do know I've got two people. He's like, yes. You're going to make it like a I'm like, okay, cool. All right, cool. You know what? I'm going to make it like a horror, okay? I'm going to play it with a horror because then we can redress these guys as different, like, bad guys coming from different parts of the place trying to get into the house to fight this guy. And that means I can buy more time because horror, you know, you need some soundscape, doorknobs opening, things coming out. They come out, they get the gun, they shoot, they get, they fall down. Things cut to another side of the room. Something comes in, but you redress them. So everything has to be shot in my head. Otherwise, they would not know what they that they're getting okay and especially they have very limited resources with the main actor i will give him a sequence i'll go okay you're gonna do you're gonna come in you know you're gonna pull out your gun you're gonna shoot boom and then i'm gonna get you to turn camera's gonna turn you're gonna cut right there so that's all you need to do i get the camera to catch that and then if there, there's a person that comes in what's the fight sequence you know the other person might be swing swing duck throw kick knee so i'll give him a sequence of about five get him to rehearse it on the side with one of my assistants and then I start shooting whatever that's needed. When he's ready, we'll put him in. It's fast paced. And this kind of way of working, I learned overseas because I was working with uh, Australian, um, Australian Chinese director, Anthony Sito. And I always remember what he taught me. I remember he, he just threw me in the deep end. He was like, okay, Mary, I'm going to go for a couple of days. You're going to, you know, you're going to shoot this fight scene. You got to make sure you get the shots freaking scared on like a you know a a chinese set i don't speak chinese right and having to still you know he comes back as oh this is not good what is this and i learned quickly that okay i need to do this i need to do that so i really picked up a lot of my skills over in asia because in asia you know you can be young gun but if you're hungry and you're really really wanting to do a good job man you get to go uh, be in positions where you get to exercise those skills Mm -hmm. whereas in australia 
you know, I could be a cog in a film production and stay that cog for the rest of my whole career and not even know how to make a film, which is really sad. <laughs> because if you want to, if you're a filmmaker, film. yeah. So that's that's a process of um, fight choreography that I've learned. A lot of times the director will be like, okay, Maria, I've got all this footage, but we don't know what to do with it. And I said, okay, give me give me a hard drive of the footage, give me like a couple of days. Myself and my film production company, we will do post-production, we'll send you the edit, exactly how it's gonna edit together is gonna make sense. And that's and that's how I deliver. And I haven't I have not not delivered. And I think it's quite um for them it's quite surprising, female, Asian, young, you know, to be able to deliver. And to be to be able to work with very little, um, to also give pretty substantial results, mm-hmm. and I've never been able to back down from that. I haven't made anything that's shit. And if it was crap, man, I will be the loudest person because I would not put my name on anything that's terrible. Or you know, in Australia, sometimes you do projects. Everyone's like, oh yeah, it's great, it's great. Everyone stands around and rooms. It's such a good project. I'm like, I'm the only one. This is shit. What's mm-hmm. this, you know. And and people will be like, why would you say that? And like, we have to. If we want to grow, we have to point out that things are not good. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we're just gonna keep on getting crap all the time. But of course, it's not a good thing because then people blacklist me. And that's a problem. Oh. <laughs> um, you have a degree in psychology. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think it came handy when you start working to produce films? Psychology, yeah. I mean, I think with psychology, that was one of these really strange accidents because when I was in high school, I thought growing up being bullied, I naturally wanted to be a police officer because I wanted to catch the bullies. It was a weird psychological thing I had. <laughs> But then I remember my teacher was like, "Why don't you、uh, pick something higher than policing? You know, something with an ology behind it." <laughs> Psychos, the study of psychos. Yes, pick that because that's bigger. Because if I want to catch people, they gotta, you know, I pick that. Not realizing it wasn't the study of crazy people, psychos, or whatever. Right? It was the study of human mind.、Mm-hmm. But I have to admit, like psychology helped me a lot because it made me kind of see how, especially humanistic psychology and psychology that deals with motivation, and 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 that. It kind of makes me go, oh wow! People predominantly have innately say like similar fears,、mm-hmm. um, as well as people who who tend to、um, have a particular trajectory in their lives. It's it's very connected to their upbringing,、mm-hmm. and a lot of that in their upbringing, if they haven't been able to resolve it or confront it, it becomes a recurring theme. And it's helped me a lot because I've gone through a lot in my childhood with the domestic violence in the family,、um, and after that, lots of toxic relationships. And it was a recurring theme. And then I had to really come to a point where I'm like, oh man, I really need to break this. And then going back to psychology, realizing, oh yeah, I can start reverse engineering this stuff by paying attention to more of these aspects of my life. It's helped there. And not only that, it really helped me、um, with film, filming, uh, uh, having a film production company,、uh, producing is huge because you got to know people, you know, all types of people. People、yeah. look up to you as a leader, which、mm-hmm. means they kind of assume that you're psychic. You should understand their needs. You should understand like what's going on within them. So every single person that comes into your life, you have to really. 
use your best skill to assess where they're at and how you can best help them as well as help the bigger goal. Psychology has really helped with acting. Okay, because it's still my big ultimate goal. Filmmaking, action stuff, choreography, it's kind of this goal here. But my big goal is still acting and how do I get into character? How do I let go of myself to really immerse myself into a character and, and be in that character and not interfere, have my ego interfere, which is a common thing because acting is a paradox. Because you're not, you know, you're not the character. You know, you are still yourself, but then you need to. There's a fine line where you let yourself go, you step back, and you let the character speak through. But then you know there is a point where sometimes you interfere, you stop yourself. There's, there's a lot of dancing when it comes to, um, especially the psyche, when it comes to um, acting, mm -hmm. I guess. How psychology has helped with that. Yeah, okay, interesting. Are there any types of roles that you want to play? Any specific roles that in your mind that would be like for your goal career, uh, goal of in your career that you think that, oh, I want to play that kind of role, but I haven't reached that position yet? It's funny because early in my career, I was like, yeah, I want to do action roles. I want to do an action roles. And, and then I got kind of like boxed into, oh, she only does. No, she can't. Slowly does action. Only recently, with the new Paramount series, um, I got a really big opportunity to flex my drama acting. Mm -hmm. You know, really body a character that is not necessarily me in real life. Um, and she's a really hard woman who's really, really, really wanting, relentless in getting her goal. Um, and then she becomes like a ruthless, like matriarchal kind of drug lord of Caprimata. So I had to really embody that role. And I got a chance to really work with Tim Roth, um, who is a brilliant actor who really got me to think more beyond of acting as just a role. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's for him, it feels a bit like a way of life or this is something a bit more um, deeper than that. Um, but for me, I'm starting to realize I actually want to do more dra dramatic stuff. Mm -hmm. like go from you know you know something that could be dramatic but then also something that's comedic um i've done bit part comedy roles like on yeah. fat pizza straight yeah, on fat pizza that's, <laughs> that's funny you know all that and but i really think that like for example recently with um there's a new film in australia called, i mean in the u.s called joyride and it was like really yeah. crazy all asian cast doing r-rated comedy i'm like oh, you know um yeah i really really stretch myself and i know because sometimes people get like i've had cases where filmmakers and producers they were like oh maria your career is so confusing and you do just the comedy the action or the drama and sometimes you show real like we can't tell if that's you or someone else Mm -hmm. In my head, I'm like, you know, if I was a white person, they would not have a problem, right? Yeah, if it was a white person, we would not have, oh, your shoulder doesn't look like you. It looks like another person. Who says that? That's the most condescending piece of crap you just said to me. Mm -hmm. You know, other people would be like, oh my God, you got rage. But for me, it's like, you don't, you, there's this belief that Asians can act. So therefore, my shoulder doesn't really reflect me. So I really want to find ways to really bash down that ceiling mm -hmm. you know 
and I want to create a movement, not only just me, but other、um, actors. So me and my husband、uh, Takashi Hara, we have like a a collective called Acting for Mindfulness.、Mm-hmm. So we kind of been combining a lot of our knowledge throughout career in terms of empowering、um, people who want to get into acting without going through the traditional route of three years at NIDA or whatever the, the acting schools because they can be quite costly.、Yes. Have the finance for it. I would strongly suggest you stay away from it because it's not going to make your parents happy. <laughs> But you can still do acting, and I believe you do acting on the side until you get good enough that that if there's conversion, there's more of a demand for you in that field. Yeah.、Mm. Um, you mentioned Joyride, and I think、um, with the achievement of Everything Everywhere All at Once at the Oscars this year. What sort of impacts would you like to see for Asian artists、uh, in the Western country? I mean, from your observation, what has changed or maybe improved for Asian in the Western entertainment industry in the past year? Because you've been in the industry for so long.、Um, I think in relation、uh, to diverse storytelling,、um, you know, should we be focusing a shift、uh, to a certain stereotypical tropes of Asians, or should we? Try to remain in the idea of yeah, representation is the most other importance、uh, for us, and then we should still try to perpetuate as you know the similar genres in the past decades. What do you think about that? I personally think with、um, especially everything everywhere at once. Like, you know what? It was. It felt like it was a win for everyone. I remember watching it with a group of、um, U.S.-based producers, directors, and we were all crying together. We we're like, oh, so emotional. Kerr when he got、um, the award, and and you know what? It just showed that Asians can emote. I think if anything, that was a big deal. It, it's a big deal not only as like getting an accolade, but the fact that we have actors who are so vulnerable, so beautiful. They are so real. They are so charming, and you can tell when they're speaking. They're like they've got so many things that they're carrying through from from like being refugees and migrants and being shut out from the industry for thirty years. There's a lot going on behind that,、yes. and therefore, what it's starting to create a change is that you know. We can have a place at the table, and to be honest, yeah. As much as we can, we can say, yeah, there should be more support. But to be honest with you, if we're asking support from the mainstream, it will be very, very difficult still. Even if mainstream grant funding bodies or whatever they want to support, you know, I feel like if they were, it would be tick boxing. You know, because Australia has policies that they need to tick box to make sure people who live in the country feel connected, and we need to create programs for them. Yada yada yada. I know those things. I've been through a bunch of those attachments and grant programs. They're great, but I think that、um, you know we have to start looking at seeing how the creative need to get smarter about not just feeding into a system. But also how to be economic about creating projects in their own communities without having the stories kind of like said, oh, you need this, you need that to get、yeah. our money. Because most of the time, when you get the kaching from somebody, somebody's got to have a hand saying, you know, we need more white people in your film. You、oh, know,、okay. 
So for example, my film Echo Way, um, it's an action film made on $10,000. It's got action back to back, cast of Asians. No cops, no white cops in it. You know, it's an assassin film based in Gabra Matter. It's a it's real. We can, I can, we can have whatever we want in it. And it is a family drama. Mm-hmm. So people kind of watch and they go, oh my God, I'm so emotionally moved, but also I'm enthralled by the action. And not only that, you made it on 10,000. I've had producers even tell me, Maria, you are threatening the, the, um, the industry if you make films like this. This is not professional. Really? Well, I'm threatening you because at the moment, if it is something that is compelling, if there is an audience, if people who invest their time and energy on a project feel there is a change within themselves and they can it deserves to be on screen. And screen industry is not dictated by the screen industry, the mainstream. And I always believe in the grassroots movement of communities coming together, sharing skills and creating projects that hit on an international scale. So, yeah, I mean, there there is this thing where you, as an artist, the, I find that as a filmmaker, the more you have really fortified your your journey and 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 see where you want to go, embrace the fact that there's going to be so many challenges, so many difficulties, so many times that people will say no, and you'll have to be like, oh, thank you, I'll try again, I'll keep going. You know, how many times do I freaking in my head, my own head's like, tell me, no, I got to stop, you know, you should do finance or something. What's this, you know, and still have to wake up the next day. You know, I got to keep doing, got to keep doing. It's like a mantra because if I stop, then the move movement will stop. But if I keep going and there are small wins, there's going to be a bunch of people who watch me and go, oh my gosh, you just got to the next part. Oh, that means we can, we can take a risk and follow because she's made it safe for us. We can follow. And that's that's how the the movement, how we're going to create change, is to do that. Mm. Yes, um, you mentioned some of the obstacles that you had throughout your career. I want to kind of move our conversations about about the talk that you gave on, in 2017 at TED Talk. You spoke about embracing conflict. Um, were there any conflicts that in your life you experienced that you found particularly difficult to deal with in the sense of maybe racial identities and being a woman? I mean, this is a question that, you know, when you go to an interview that an interviewee gets asked, how do you handle a conflict? And I often find this is such a difficult question because I'm guessing like most Asians, uh, we grew up in the mentality of avoiding conflicts and you know compromise is probably a better solution therefore i never really consider that confronting conflict but it is really essential to life now isn't it i mean um would you be able to elaborate the concept of embracing conflict and how would you advise asians you know (laughs) how, how could asian parents you know change their mentalities and giving you know a better solution for their next generations of handling conflicts I think um, you, you are quite right. The, the fact that I think uh, the Asian mentality is we do like to avoid conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, if you think about it, a lot of Asians that come to Australia, we've been through a lot of real physical mm-hmm. war, war yeah. conflict yeah. that really has caused an intergenerational trauma. Mm-hmm. So once they come to Australia, they want to settle, they want to give back. And there's a lot of those types of narratives that keep on playing time and time again. Um, but for especially fields that are, are quite a 
challenge such as the screen industries, entertainment industries, arts sector. These are the fields that we still haven't really got a strong unified voice. Yes. So one person navigating through that process will be facing a lot of conflicts. For me, it's not normal for me to face like, you know, in normal conversations with sometimes people in very high positions asking me really silly questions or telling me that, oh, you know, it's really, I feel very comfortable working with your kind. Mm-hmm. And, you know, female female, you know, like, and for me, sometimes I'm like, oh, now that's the point I realize that I can really use my wit to mm-hmm. kind of like counteract that and not be afraid because I realized that I've actually become quite good at making my point and sometimes mm-hmm. it's a way that is quite clever, funny, quirky. Sometimes it could push a few buttons, but the people, the buttons that I'm pushing, these types of people aren't game changers. I don't care. I want to see who the game changers are. Come, come. I want to face you. I want to connect with you because I really want to create the real change, right? Um, so for me, there will always be conflict. But the thing is, if we don't embrace the conflict and we don't see it as an opportunity, we don't know the, the, how far we can go. So we can't just say, you go, oh, this is safe, this is comfortable. But we don't know, We if we just push it a bit more, now we can start to move into like producing, the producing fields, or we can be executives on big TV series, or we could be an investor on a trilogy franchise that has Asians in, you know what I mean? Like, if we don't see it that far. We, we only are sitting here going, I hope, I hope, I hope. And a lot of artists sit there and they, they just hope. But hope is only going to get you, it's almost like wishing, wishful thinking, mm-hmm. yeah. take action. And the action that you take along the way, you'll be failing a lot or you'll be hitting into a lot of conflict. But every point of conflict, there'll be a moment for you to figure out what the situation is. I mean, for example, some of the things that I faced, I mean, I've, I've been deported from Vietnam. Oh I'm a freaking terrorist. You know, I was blacklisted. Apparently I was blacklisted because I was a part of the Vietnamese community as a vice president speaking out against human rights and blah, blah, blah. Didn't realize if I Vietnam, I was going to get blacklisted. And then I had to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And not only that, during that time, I was casted in a, a big movie in Vietnam to play a an assassin. And then but I still end up getting into the country to make the film, but then realized that, you know, there was a lot of tension that got me to this place, but realizing I'm now creating new space. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not supposed to be in, but I'm I'm pushing, I'm stretching it, and people are watching, they're seeing what she's gonna do. Another piece of conflict is um dealing one uh, one a personal issue um, story that I've told in a theater show that I created called Action Star um, in the past is an incident I had with a former Weinstein uh, associate and being in the room with him and some of the things that he said um, was on the borderline of, you know, I, I got to see what you got as in you're going to turn around for me, like stuff like that. And me having to confront it and say no and then also being told that I was too fat. And then later on, years down the track, getting blacklisted from every Weinstein-associated project that was connected to him. And he even sent emails around to blacklist me. And having people in the com- in my colleagues tell me I should say sorry to a perpetrator until the whole Weinstein thing came emerged. Mm. Then 
then things flipped over. But then I, I came to another conflict. Another conflict was that the media didn't like my story because it wasn't a victim story. I didn't get. It's like I didn't get raped, Maria. They always have a, like a perfect image victim that they. So, Yeah. So yeah. So these are conflicts, and every moment I hit a conflict, oh, okay. So the the world's still like this. Yeah, I'm making change. I can only make so much change, but the world is still like this. So I still need to figure out cleverly how to maneuver around all these different like roadblocks to、mm-hmm. get what I want. And right now, I realize I need to be really, really work on my craft as an actor. Still do independent cinema. Still find ways to create my own projects. And still, every now and then, do lots of outreach,、uh, community projects, teaching、uh, communities to also, you know, create their own content and learn how to be more empowered with themselves to, to, to stand out. Absolutely.、Um, so, what's coming up for you? What's your next project? My next thing is I'm heading back to Sydney soon for a month, and I'm shooting a documentary called Warriors, which is、um, po- uh, profiling uh, about ten Australian martial artists who have kind of paved the way in different forms, but as well as in their various fields in their lives. Not only just martial arts, but maybe different fields that they're in. And I'll be traveling, you know, Sydney to Melbourne、um, to, you know, document these women's、uh, journeys, and then that will be screened, I think, in August.、Oh, okay. And then doing a big arts exhibition called Ritual, which is、uh, martial arts performance as well as live taiko drumming. And again, that will be showcased in August as well. So there's still a lot of things that I'm doing back in Australia. Um, and once I get back, I'll, I'll, I'll go back into my Australian accent, but because I'm in America, <laughs> do the American accent because I'm doing a lot of self tapes in American accent. So I'm gonna keep practicing and hopefully I make a some sort of leeway here as well. But I'm pretty ambitious and I got a lot of steam, so I'll keep trucking. <laughs> That's so amazing! You're such a trailblazer for a lot of you know many Asian. Especially Asian females、um, out there in the entertainment in- industry. Well,、uh, that was my final question. So, thank you so much for speaking with me today on our podcast, and I wish you all the best with the future projects. And of, of, of course, we want to see you more everywhere, both here and overseas. Thank you, Maria. Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. <laughs>